Father, we need you today. There is no doubt about it. And so we come to you and we acknowledge we are attempting a God-sized thing here. Which means if you don't show up, if you don't empower us, then we can't do a God-sized thing in our own power. And so, Lord, would you, would you show up among us? Would you pour out your spirit upon us? I thank you for how we've already experienced the leading of your Holy Spirit in our time of praise. And I, I pray for the leading of your Holy Spirit in our time of teaching and learning, God. Uh, make your word uh, so clear to us and make our hearts obedient to what we encounter. Transform us, Lord. Father, I pray for laborers. Jesus told us to do that. And so we pray in this great harvest of our community and in this world, so many who are lost without Christ, Father, would you send out laborers into this harvest? Father, I pray that we would be willing to go as those laborers. Give us the heart of Isaiah that would say, here I am, send me. I will go, and Lord, I pray that we would leave this place today empowered by your spirit for the mission of Jesus Christ in this community. Lord, I pray not only for ourselves, but the other gospel teaching churches of this community. I pray for Pastor Ross, and I ask you, would you empower him today? Would you encourage him today? May he and the people of God and that church family know and love and live and proclaim the one and only gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in your church. Thank you that it is bigger than us, but it includes us. And Lord, we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Uh, Last week, we kicked off the initial week, the initial phase of a 36-month stewardship of life initiative that we're calling the first initiative. And if you weren't here, I'm just going to quickly recap last week what we saw, just so we can all be on the same page this morning. What we saw last week is that Jesus initiated a mission for all of his followers to be a part of, and that mission is to make disciples from all the people groups on earth. And so we desire to see every man, woman, and child given repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and since Jesus desires all of his people to be a part of that mission, we also desire to see every man, woman, and child of God equipped and mobilized for the mission of reaching every man, woman, and child in this community. And that's what the first initiative is all about, Christ's initiative of saving people from all people groups and mobilizing and equipping his people to be a part of his saving rescue mission for every man, woman, child in this church family and and beyond. And so these first six weeks that we kicked off last week, really they are really a starting line for the next three years in the life of our church. What we're doing, if you want to imagine, is we're giving an invitation over these next six weeks for you, every single one of you, to join together with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit for the mission of God that he has for your life, for your family, for this church, for this community, a mission that we are praying, and we mean every word of this, we are praying that God would allow us to reach every man, woman, and child 
of this community with repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus through every man, woman, and child equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit as part of this church. That is so exciting to me every time that I say that. And that's what this initiative is about. And I want you to know right off the bat, we've said this several times, you do not need to have everything figured out right? We don't have everything figured out. Jesus didn't give us a plan. He gave us a person, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would live in a journey with one another under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And while he has made some things clear, he's not made everything clear. So you don't need to feel like you have to have everything worked out in your mind or figured out from the get-go. This is an invitation for that journey to begin. Here's what we're asking from you. We're asking willingness, Are you willing to join Jesus in his mission of making disciples? Would you respond with a yes, I'm in? That's what this initiative is all about. And there's a very intentional word that I've been using, and it's the word mobilize. We desire to mobilize the people of God. And one of the things I realize as I've said this many times is I realize that for a lot of, of my adult life, I used the word mobilize and I didn't really know exactly what it meant. And so I just want you to know what the definition is of the word mobilize. One definition refers to mobilizing a group of people for political or military action. You've heard that before, mobilizing your base or mobilizing the troops. Here's the definition as regards that. To organize, to mobilize means to organize and encourage people to act in a concerted way in order to bring about a particular objective. To organize and equip people to act in a concerted way in order to bring about a particular objective. Another definition for mobilize is to bring resources into use in order to achieve a particular goal. And those are incredible descriptions. That's why I use the word mobilize because what we are seeking to do in this church family is to organize and to equip people, you, to engage in several Holy Spirit-empowered actions, several things in the power of the Holy Spirit as a step into the mission of Christ. And we want to bring all our resources, all of our resources into alignment and use them for the self-same goal of reaching every man, woman, and child in this community. And I want you to know what we believe is the greatest resource in the kingdom of God. You ready to hear it? We believe the greatest resource in the kingdom of God is his Holy Spirit empowering his people. You are the greatest resource within the kingdom of God as the Holy Spirit lives in you. So this mission, this first initiative, is primarily about building up the church in the power of the Holy Spirit more than building out church buildings. You guys get that? So this is the, the bottom line of this. The Holy Spirit has to empower us and give us alignment for his vision, or all of it will be for nothing. But we also want, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to align all of our resources into that mission, and that does include all of our resources, including our facilities. We really desire to see these these facilities' resources updated and transformed in some ways that will better align with the mission of Christ. And I've gotta tell you, I am... 
so excited about addressing the facility's needs because they are not primarily about beautifying our campus or making ourselves more comfortable. They are about aligning with the mission of Jesus Christ and doing the very best we are able in the power of the Holy Spirit to equip and mobilize people as we gather on this campus for the mission of making disciples and reaching every man, woman, child. And so in that way, in this invitation to the mission of Jesus and the alignment and the equipping and encouraging of God's people, there are three areas of focus that we've decided to focus on, that we feel like God has led us to focus on as part of the first initiative. And those three areas are this, serving, sharing, and giving. As we step in the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe that we are called into certain actions in dependence on the Holy Spirit, serving, sharing, and giving. We are asking every person in this church to recommit your life to serve as the body of Jesus. There are thousands of people God gives us the privilege of serving every single week as a church. And your sacrificial service is critical for us to live out God's heart for them. We're asking every person in this church to recommit their life to sharing the gospel of Jesus. Just think about this. There are 35,000 people just on this island alone. And there are many thousands more within 15 miles of this campus. And your sacrificial commitment to sharing the gospel of Jesus and demonstration and declaration is critical in living out God's heart for them. And we're also asking every person in this church family to recommit your life to willing sacrificial giving toward the gospel cause of Jesus. Our goal is to raise three and a half million dollars above our regular giving over the next three years so we can address some pressing facilities needs. And your sacrificial giving is critical in that area as well. And there are a lot more details that are coming out, so I want you to do a couple things. First of all, please keep an open eye for your mail. Uh, many of you received a packet. Did some of you, can you raise your hand if you received this packet this, this week? So the last couple of days, some of you received this packet. Most all of you should be getting it. If you don't get this packet, it's because we didn't have your address or because uh, we had the wrong one or because the post office dropped the ball. So we're gonna blame the post office on all of those accounts. Uh, We'll get this information to you um, if you request it from us after this week if you haven't already received it. There have been some some fall through the cracks moments that we've had in mail out. So please, every week you need to know that there will be something in your mailbox uh, about the first initiative with more and more detail in what Christ has called us to do. I I try to give some every week and I can only give a certain amount. The other thing that I want to encourage you to do, and it's more important, and even looking for your mail. Would you make a commitment to be a part of our church gathering every Sunday? There's some critical information and most of all the critical information is what God has to say. We wanna teach from the Bible the biblical framework for everything we're saying as part of this initiative. So make a commitment to be here every single week. And so this morning, let's get started to see what the word of God has to say. And I want us to look at the first area of emphasis for us as a church, and it's the emphasis of serving. And when I think about serving as the body of Christ, there's no passage of scripture that jumps out to me as an example of service more than John 13. And so the Holy Spirit led me to John 13 as I was praying over what to share concerning serving. So let's look at John 13 and I'm gonna start reading here in verse one. Verse one says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own 
who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He, be, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, uh, you do not now understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I love how quickly this guy could change his mind. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you would do, that you should do, or that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is God's word for us today. And here, here's the deal. When you look at that passage of scripture, it's immediately clear what Jesus is doing, right? Because he tells us very specifically there in verse 15, exactly what he's doing. Jesus says in verse 15. Hey, I'm giving you an example that you would follow after. I'm showing you something with my life that I am calling you to do. And that example is all about serving. He's actually pretty in your face. I hope you noticed how in your face Jesus is about it. Verse 16, notice he says, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. You guys see what Jesus is saying there, right? Here's the deal. That word greater is used twice in verse 16. You notice that there. That word greater in Greek is the word megas. That sounds really familiar to us. It's the Greek word that we get our English uh, word mega from. And you guys know what mega means. It's a word for bigger and better. So if somebody says, hey, you want the regular French fries or the mega fries? You know, bigger, right? Better, Mega fries for sure. Okay, maybe I shouldn't mention food on the prayer and fasting week. Um, I know, you guys, lunch is coming. Lunch is coming. So how about this one? If somebody says, hey, you want the regular car wash or do you want the mega wash? Which one do you think is a better wash? Mega wash, yeah, bigger and better. It's a really clear thing Jesus is saying. He says, guess, guess what, guys? I, I serve you. I, I kneel down and I wash your feet, I serve you, and you aren't mega than me. You get that? Hey, hey guys, you aren't mega than me. Hear him. You aren't bigger and better than me, are you? It's an incredible insinuation here. I hope you guys get this implication. It, was, it really hit me hard when I started meditating and thinking about this. Here's what, here's what Jesus is implying with that phrase. When you and I don't 
follow Jesus' example into service, we are saying we're bigger and better than Jesus. That's strong, isn't it? When we don't follow Jesus' example all the way through into serving like Jesus, we may be saying something like this. And I don't think anybody in this room would say, hey, I'm bigger and better than Jesus. But Jesus says, do you think you're bigger and better than me? Then why aren't you serving? We're implying it by the way we live. When we don't follow Christ into service, we're saying something like this. Hey, Jesus, you may be important, but I'm mega important. Hey, you may be good, but I'm mega good. And the reality is clear, and it's why I titled this sermon this way. You aren't greater than Jesus. We aren't greater than Jesus. So God forbid that our lives would be characterized by some kind of pattern or some paradigm where we live like we are bigger and better than Jesus. So it is important, it is more than just important, it's imperative that you and I hear what Jesus has to say in these next verses about what it means to actually follow his example into service. And there are just two things, basically, that I want to point out. And these two things are going to form a big idea over this passage. I want you to see two things about Christ-like service that we are called to follow after. Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. Love serves. Love serves. Look at verse 1. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit led Richard to do what he did this morning. I mean, what a cool thing God orchestrated in that. Verse one says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, look at this phrase, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Love Serves. John is telling us really, really specifically here. Here's the motive of everything Jesus says and does. Here's the motive of everything Jesus says and does. Love. And then the next thing we see is love serves. Guys, I need to tell you something about serving. Love makes all the difference. Have you guys ever been to a restaurant? I'm bringing it up again. But have you ever been to a restaurant where the server didn't seem to want to be serving and definitely didn't seem to be want to serve you. You ever had that experience? Like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that I came to your place of business and I'm sorry I'm ordering food from a server. Have you ever had that? Even better than that. Have you ever called customer service and then you spoke to a person on the other end of the phone who seemed like your very existence was an annoyance to them? You ever had that option? Yeah, that's an awesome experience, isn't it, Right? Woohoo! I feel so served in those moments. Love makes all the difference. And people do a lot of things that look like service from a heart that isn't love. You guys know that, right? There are lots of different motives for service. Some people serve because they feel obligated or guilty. And so they serve out of guilt and obligation because they think they have to, even though they don't really want to. You've met those people before. Some people serve out of greed because they're hoping that something good for them will come out of the fact they just did something for someone else. Someone, uh, people serve out of fear because they're afraid of what might happen if they don't serve. Maybe God will kill me if I, I don't open this door for someone. But the only motive that actually enables Christ-like service is love. When I was a, a, a little league kid, when I was in little league, of course, 
Um, I rode the bench most of the time. When I got in the game, I was in right field. And you guys know what right field is for Little League, right? It is no man's land. Um, I was playing with dandelions the whole time, I'm going to tell you. But one year, our coach was this real character, this kind of larger-than-life persona. He was a bit of a Barney Fife law enforcement officer. Uh, I say that purposely, law enforcement, um, because it was a farce what he was doing. Um, He was either in the FBI, the Secret Service, or the uh, uh, security detail at our local Kmart. I can't remember which one. But here's the deal that he was constantly doing. He was constantly showing us maneuvers he had learned on how to subdue a perpetrator on us as kids. So he had this little black stick on his keychain. I don't even know what it was called, but he would show us these pressure points that would drop a bad guy to his knees in a split second, especially if the bad guy was 10 years old, you know, that guy, right? And I don't, I have no idea what was going on other than I think he had these illusions of being a major league manager one day and he was just putting in his time in little league because the major league scouts were probably coming by to see our little league one day and say, that's our next skipper right there. This guy, Barney Fife. So there he is in little league. Um, and, and here's the deal. There's just one, just one little detail that seemed to be absent from, uh, from the coach of the year here. He seemed to hate kids. Like he just, he hated us at every occasion. He just hated us. We existed and he hated that. And I struck out and he really hated that. And you can guess, you can guess. I'll let you guys play minor league profits for a moment. How do you think that season went? It was awful. It was terrible. I dreaded every practice. I dreaded every game. Not only was I the worst kid on the team, but I had a coach who hated me and everybody else. There was no love. No love whatsoever. Uh, Did I mention that the Little League team was sponsored by our church, of which he was a member? Yeah, we do great at that as churches, by the way. What a testimony. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's get over that for a second. Somebody's still moaning. Let's get it out of our system. I can't imagine a grumpy person being a part of a local church. Um, Some people don't get my jokes. Um, Just saying. Love makes all the difference. Love makes all the difference. And love serves. And when I say love serves, I'm not just saying that love is the only pure motive from which our service should flow. I'm saying something else in that. What I'm saying is that love always serves. You guys need to know this. Real love always serves. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way or not, but I was thinking this week and praying over this text and something really jumped out at me. And here's here's what jumped out. Everyone you know is a servant. Everyone. Everyone you know is a servant. I have never met anyone awake and aware who isn't an active servant. And everyone who serves is serving someone they love. I absolutely believe that's true. And some of you might be asking, but pastor, um, what about the people who don't seem to serve anybody? Here's my answer. They are serving somebody. And it's somebody they really love. Somebody they probably love more than any other person on this earth. Can you guess who that might be? Themselves. 
That's the reality. Everyone is a servant and everyone is serving from a place of love. And here's the reality for us. It means our problem isn't a lack of service. We are always serving someone and we are always serving someone we love even when it's ourselves. Our problem isn't a lack of service. Our problem is misdirected love. We don't serve others like Jesus because we just don't love them as much as we love ourselves. We don't serve our neighbors and our coworkers and our spouses and one another because we just don't love them as much as we love ourselves. It's why we scratch our heads and wonder why they don't serve us more. It's why we don't get that they haven't gotten in line with the program of serving us. I love me, shouldn't everybody else? Our problem isn't a lack of service. It's a misdirection of our love. And here's what that means. If you and I are gonna serve like Jesus, then he has to change our hearts. Like, like for us to hear love serves and love serves others when, when you love others more than self, you had better not hear that and say, all right, I'm gonna do that and roll up your sleeves and get to work because the very first characteristic of the Spirit's fruit is what? Love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, they all flow out of that heart of love. If you are gonna serve in a heart of love for other people, Jesus has to save you from your own selfishness and patterns of self-absorbed service. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. You can't do it on your own. That's why God gave us Jesus. So the first thing we see about love is that love serves. It's the only pure motive and we are always, always serving someone out of it, even when that someone is ourselves. So the call is, would you you call to Jesus to save you from your selfishness? Would you call to Jesus to give you his heart for every man, woman, child? As you drive home today, would you pray for those houses down your street and ask that God would stir you with the kind of love for them that he has for them? Because here's what happens. When you love them, you will serve them because love serves. When you come to this place and we gather for worship, we will serve one another when we love one another because love serves. That's the first thing we see is love serves. I gotta keep on moving. That's not the only thing in this passage. Look at verse two. Okay, I read 17 verses and I think I'm I'm on verse two. Okay, so this should be interesting. Look at verse two. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Stop right there. Okay, so here's the deal. I know when we talk about service as 
Christians, there are all kinds of resources that are available for us. You can go online, you can take spiritual gifts inventories, you can read books, you can do all kinds of different things. As a a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, I think those things have their place. And I just want you to know, for everyone who is willing to say yes to recommit their life to service as part of the first initiative, we will be rolling out resources to help you discover how the Holy Spirit has called you and formed you to serve. We will help you be trained and equipped into areas of service within this community and within this church. We want to come alongside you and see where it is that Christ may be calling you to serve as part of his church body. I think resources are great. They are wonderful. I also think we have a tendency to complicate things that are relatively simple. Serving like Jesus means, and here's the second thing, love serves, but love serves by willingly meeting needs. That's pretty simple, right? Love serves, love serves by willingly meeting needs. Serving like Jesus means you willingly start looking for the needs in the lives of other people. And when you see those needs, you just meet them through faith and dependence on the power of God in your life. You just step out to meet them. When these people sat around the table, they were all lounging and laying around. Now, here, here's the deal. As they're, they're sitting around this table, they're, they're all lounging and, and laying around. There's this scene that develops, and you may, not, you may not know it or not. You've seen that picture of the Last Supper, right? They're all kind of laying around with one another. Well, well there's something that wasn't painted into that scene. Here, here's the story. In Jesus' day, almost every single house that you would enter into had something by the door. And right by the door, there would be this water pitcher, there would be a basin, and there would be a towel right there. It's by the door of every house you would, you would walk into. Here's the reason for that, is that they, they walked around in sandals on streets that were not paved, kind of like our parking lot, and, and, and they were occupied by horses and donkeys and goats and chickens that weren't potty trained, all right? Here's, here's what that meant. It, it meant that their feet were covered in stuff you don't want to track into your house, Especially when you were coming to dinner. And when you come to dinner, you're, you're laying down around a table, all right? So when you're laying down around a table, I hope you're getting this, this visual. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do this. So you're laying around the table. You know what I mean? This one, this one. How, how, how's that, him? Yeah, there you go. So you're eating. Well, well, right here, right here, right here, you're all around the table. That's either a head or a foot. You see, you see what I'm saying there? That came in off the street. That was occupied by, by, by horses and donkeys and goats and chickens that weren't with sandals. You know what I'm sorry, talking about? Hey, John, you, you, hey John, you want to do something about this? You, you, get it? you get me? So here's what's happening. I don't know why I did that. Hey, I got back up. At my age, that's not a small thing. Hold on, where was I? That's what, hey, that's what happens when you have ADD and you go impromptu. There you go. Here's what that meant. Every door had a pitcher of water so that when you came in to get around a table, you could do something about the issue. And the custom was as soon as you go through the door, as soon as you go through the door, you get your feet washed because it's disgusting, bro. Everybody does it. 
It's custom. You walk in, you get your feet washed. Here's the deal though. You get your feet washed by a servant. In a Jewish house, this task was the lowest of the low. Wonder why? So low, in fact, that Jewish masters would not allow their Jewish servants to take the task. They'd make their Gentile servants do it because this is way beneath a Jew to do this to another Jew's feet. And so here these disciples are, they, they, they walk into this room totally, totally blow by this pitcher of water and basin and towel that's right there by the door. We have to assume it's right there by the door because I think John would have included if Jesus miraculously made it appear, okay? So right there by the door, they just blow by it with their dirty, disgusting feet, lay down around a table, and Luke 22 says that sometime during that, they start arguing about who's the greatest among them. So just get this scene in your head, okay? Okay. They all have stinky, dirty feet around a table. They're basically eating with their toes. I know that's gross, but they really are. They're right there. Not sitting in seats, laying down around a table with each other. They're aware of the need. They all know the custom. They all saw the bowl and the water. And while they argue about who is the greatest, the room literally smells like excrement. I mean, this is, this is a, a powerful scene. And while they're doing that, Jesus quietly gets up as the one who has all authority over heaven and earth. And he doesn't just grab the water, he seizes an opportunity to love his disciples. And he kneels down and he washes their feet. While they're too busy arguing about who should be in charge and what they would do if they were assistant manager or assistant to the manager, love himself gets up around the table grabs the water and washes their feet. Love serves by willingly meeting needs, whatever they may be. You wanna know something that would revolutionize this church and every church in this country? If every follower of Jesus would lay aside the argument about who is most important, about whose opinion matters most, about what they would do if they were in charge and instead they opened their eyes to the needs of other people and saw it as an opportunity to love them in the name of Jesus. There are hundreds of people I know in this room who do this in an incredible way every week. We have some of the greatest servants on the planet and I am not trying to diminish your work and I know that many of you serve so faithfully I couldn't even describe how incredible your service is but I know something about all of the awesome servants in this room who serve every week in ministries of this church and on their own in their communities. You would love to have more loving, spirit-filled people kneeling down and serving alongside you. I could, have, I could have all of the people who serve in House of Hope, I could have all of them stand up and I have no doubt that all of them would say, as many of us as there are, we'd love to have more loving, spirit-filled people alongside us. The Alternative Pregnancy Center could say, say the same thing. Merritt Island Christian School could say the same thing. All of our ushers and greeters could say the same thing. Children's ministry, student ministry, all of them could say the same thing. There's not a place in this church family that would not say we would love to have more people who are 
spirit-filled with love, kneeling down and serving. So just imagine, imagine then if every single person in this room refused to engage in any conversation that was motivated by selfishness or consumerism or greed or a desire for control and instead you started willingly and actively looking for ways to serve as an opportunity to love people in the name of Jesus. Imagine what that would look like. Hey, hey, even better than that, you don't have to imagine what that would look like. Jesus tells us, look over verse 34. In verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you. That, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And love serves. And love serves by willingly meeting needs. So love one another. Look at verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Hey, here's the word. Here's the word. You guys might not know it. I'm a little bit of a prophet and I feel a little bit of prophecy coming on. Sometimes I can tell the future. So listen up. I'm going to give you a little prophecy. I will tell you what will happen when every man, woman, and child of this church family is empowered by the Holy Spirit and motivated by the the love of Jesus and lays down every petty conversation the enemy would want you to take up and kneels down to meet the needs of other people. I'll tell you what's going to happen. This community will know we are genuine followers of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. That's what will happen. And I am convinced they will be more inclined to believe a gospel of resurrection when they see resurrection power in the lives of us. Because that's how God ordained it to be. Imagine with me what it'll be like when your neighbors and your coworkers join us for worship and the moment they arrive on campus, they are overrun by over a thousand people who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and have been looking for ways to actively love and serve each other. Imagine what it will be like in the parking lot for us to have already loved them and served them and, and started by just repaving our parking areas and building easier access into our entries. Imagine what it would look like in our children's area for us to have already loved them and started serving them by having renovated and better secured purpose designed space for their kids. Imagine what it will be like in this room when we have addressed sound and video issues and we can actually hear what it is that Fayez was saying about those baptisms this morning. And imagine when we are able to have the ability to video stream our services for all those people who aren't able to join us. And listen, that's just the smallest piece of the pie because I was never loved by a building. Imagine what it'll be like when we have so many welcome team volunteers, we can offer valet service to senior adults and single moms. And by the way, no tips allowed on that one. I know what some of you guys are thinking, no tips. 
Imagine what it'll be like when we have so many children's and student ministry servants and volunteers that we have to form a waiting list to be serving in that area. Imagine what it'll be like when House of Hope and APC have so many volunteers, they have to start a brand new rotation schedule so so that they can have everyone who needs to serve in that area so that tired and fatigued, faithful volunteers can plan on getting rest. Imagine what it'll be like when service teams from this church are in every single nursing home and every single school in this community willingly and actively meeting whatever needs Jesus calls them to meet and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be glorious, but not for our glory. Not for our glory. Blessed are you when men see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And Jesus said right before verse 34, and I've been glorified. I've been glorified. And when people see your love that serves by willingly meeting needs, they will glorify me. Every man, woman, and child in this community will know we are Christ's people who live for his glory and their good because we will be in his power the demonstration of his gospel. That's what we mean when we say every man, woman, child given repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel. They see the gospel of Jesus through the lives of people who live the gospel of Jesus when they serve by willingly meeting needs in love for them and their Lord. This is the question though. Will you step out into that future? Are you willing to recommit your life to sacrificially serve by laying aside other things, other things that are rightfully yours, the way that our master laid aside his right to be served. Are you willing to say yes to the call of Christ and to the example he gave us? that you would serve as this body of Jesus for the glory of Jesus in this community. And I have one final word of good news that I don't want us to miss. Some of you are here this morning with broken hearts and you're broken in your own sin. You feel the trap of your selfishness. You feel the weight of these patterns that you can't break out of. And I just want you to see something here. I want you to remember something here. Jesus serves his people. And do you remember what he did? He served his people by cleansing them. Guys, we've got a bit of good news and it's not just for us, but it is for us. Jesus cleanses his people from all of their 
unrighteousness, all of their sin, all of their brokenness. He cleans us in every way we're dirty. And so here's the deal. If you've been sitting here and you hear about selfishness or you hear about a lack of service or you hear about wrapping your life around your own life and you are just convicted by your own sin, I want you to know the only way to be freed from that, the only way to have your conscience purified is by calling on Jesus to save you. And Jesus will save you. Jesus will cleanse you no matter what you've done, no matter what you have been a part of, Jesus is greater and stronger. He's bigger and better than your sin. So would you call on Jesus today? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and we're gonna respond to the teaching of God's word. And for those of you who would say, I... I know that I'm trapped in these patterns of sin. I see my brokenness. I feel dirty. I feel dirty in my life. And I can't make that go away. That's why God gave us Jesus. Jesus came to live the life you couldn't live. And he died the death you should have died as a payment for your sin. So as Jesus was hanging on the cross, the father punished all of our sin in Jesus And Jesus rose again from the dead so he could give you his life, his power to break out of those patterns of sin. So if you would call on Jesus to save you, you'd be saved. And so right where you are, if if you've never called on Christ or if you feel your own brokenness welling up again, would you just right there in your, your heart pray a prayer of confession. Acknowledge your brokenness. Acknowledge that Jesus has done for you what you can't do for yourself. Would you call on Christ to save you? For all of you who say, I am a follower of Jesus, the call for us is then will we follow him? Will we follow him into a life of love that serves by willingly meeting needs around us? Right there at your seat, would you pray that God would give you eyes to see the need in someone's life today? And that the Holy Spirit would prompt you to take a step to meet that need. So right now, just ask for an opportunity that that open door would be there. Eyes to see the needs around you, prompting and power to kneel down and meet that need. Maybe your wife, your child, or your neighbor. Maybe a total stranger. Father, you've got to do this work in us. I imagine a future so beautiful and glorious that we would live as the body of Christ. And I pray, Father, would you fill us with the power of your spirit today? Would you give us eyes to see the needs of those around us? Would you give us willing hearts to kneel and meet those needs? Would you supply everything that we need and let us be a part of your provision in others' lives? God, would you help us to recommit ourselves to that kind of lifestyle? And Lord, I pray that that no one would leave this place today without knowing Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. We love you and we need you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.